I, uh, I love teaching the Bible because it helps me focus so much. Um, I'm just going to tell you a quick story. I've had a very frustrating day. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes we get emails that really bug us. We get phone calls that really bother us, and they're not resolved right away. And um, as a pastor, sometimes we feel like we should have our stuff together, and we should not allow these things to bug us. And I just want to confess to you that even now, as we're beginning, I was just talking with the person helping us make these videos, and I was just sort of annoyed, and not with them, and, and just with the situation. And um, here I am now beginning to preach, and, 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 and I'm so excited about this sermon, but I'm sort of of two minds right now. So what I want to do before I begin is say a brief prayer. It's always sort of odd praying on a video, but, but I just want to say a brief prayer and then go into our text and our lesson for today. So um, would you pray with me? Let's pray. God, free us from distractions. Wherever we are and whenever we are hearing this message, may it be your word and not mine. May it be your truth and not mine. And may it lead us to more of you, more understanding of you, your love, and your grace for us. Amen. Uh, thank you. Uh, so today we're in part three of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, it's Matthew 5, and we're going to be in uh, verses 13 to 16, the little section after the Beatitudes that says salt and light. Um, and so if you've read these, great. If you haven't, go back or pause and then go read it. Um, here we have this section that's very, very well known, similarly to the Beatitudes, right? Um, it's a fantastic list of blessings we have in the Beatitudes. And then this section on salt and light. And Jesus says that we are three things, basically. That as Christians, that as his followers, we are the salt of the earth. We are a city on a hill. Or we're like a lamp on a stand. Uh, and they're all sort of clear analogies, Salt, maybe not as much today because we have refrigerators and things like that, but salt, of course, was used as, as preservation in the ancient world, right? If you, if you slaughtered an animal, salt would keep the meat for much, much longer than if you just sort of put it on the counter, right? Uh, it's a preservation agent. It's also an enhancement agent. We know this. It makes things taste better, right? Um, it keeps things from rotting. It makes things taste better. It's pretty simple. As salt, we are supposed to be preservation and enhancement agents in this world, right? And we look to the Beatitudes and we think, how can I bring salt to this world? Well, if I live in the way that Christ has listed in the Beatitudes, these blessings, it will enhance the world. It's clear. It's easy. It's pretty straightforward. Similarly, with the analogy of light. We are the light of the world. Light not only brings safety, but it brings warmth, right? Uh, and sure, now we have roads and cars and Google Maps, but... You know, before in the ancient world, this is how people traveled. And if, they, if the traveling took longer than they expected, that seeing a city on a hill would be like a beacon of safety. Or seeing a light up on a hill in the darkness would be a sign of safety that they could go and be somewhere in the light rather than traveling out in the darkness. Right? Worrying about who knows what might befall them in the darkness. And, and so when we think about this idea of a city on a hill or light, we think of safety, we think of warmth. Um, salt and light are both very helpful. If you want to simplify it, it's just God says, Jesus says to us that if we live in this way, we can be very, very helpful to the world. Now, just as a, an anecdote, there's a, or as, a, as a thought, there's, um, 
I have some sermon questions if you want to use these, but I also mentioned this more in the sermon questions you could talk about. But just, we can also, as Christians, sometimes be too much salt or too much light. And what I mean by that is if you think about um, too much light, you ever had someone just shine a flashlight right in your eyes? It sort of scares you, sort of surprises you. Or, or if you're driving at night, someone has these really, really bright headlights and they leave them on their high beams. You know, too much light's kind of obnoxious. Too much salt, also horrible, makes food almost inedible. Um, so there, there's a balance, I think, if you're going to carry out the analogy or the metaphor Jesus is using. But let's just remind ourselves, not worry too much about that. Let's just think about we want to be helpful. We want to be useful. Right, this is also what Revelation chapter 3 is talking about with the hot and cold water. Um, we want to be useful to this world. And, and what's amazing about salt and light to me is that um, also we might worry about what does it mean to actually be salt and light. But these things all sort of kind of just keep going behind the scenes. You ever think about that? You never really think about your lights until they stop working. You just hit the light and it goes on and you just think, great, I have light. But when there's a power outage, what happens? Oh, where did I keep those candles? Where's the matches? You know, when, when you're stuck in the darkness, you really miss the light. And salt, in a similar way, is cheap. It's easy to find everywhere. But imagine if it was gone. Imagine if we didn't have salt and light. Imagine if there was no salt for french fries or potato chips. It just, it's just an unthinkable world. Right Now, maybe if these analogies aren't hitting home, just think about this. Imagine life without internet. <laughs> right? Imagine what would happen to the world if there was no internet. We'd be, it, the whole world would be thrown into some sort of Mad Max apocalyptic world within a week. For Jesus, he says salt and light. For you and for me, it's salt and light. And I don't know if you thought about this, but this, all, of course, is all one sermon here in Matthew 5 and 6, and he's just talking. And as he's talking, he, I think, is very intentionally going from the end of the Beatitudes to the Sermon on the Mount, where he's talking about persecution. I think he's very intentionally going into salt and light. And I think it's an amazing tie-in, because just look at this with me. Look at the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, and look at all those blessings. Of course, he ends talking about persecution and how persecution may and will come, but that we should still rejoice in Matthew 5, verse 12. But then he goes right into verse 13 saying that you are the salt of the earth. You know, one of the elements of blessings from God that I've mentioned in the last couple of weeks is also envy. And I don't mean envy in a bad way. I mean envy in a good way. That when someone has a blessing from God, when someone has something that God has given them, other people notice and say, wow, I kind of want that. That seems pretty good, right? If there can be good envy. It's sort of like how Paul says, you know, I don't boast in anything but in Christ. There can be good boasting. We boast in Jesus and we also have good envy. When God gives us a blessing, other people notice it. And when, when God does things and changes, other people notice it and they say, wow. Something's different. They want that. When we were in the dark, we want light. When we're without salt, we want seasoning. I want to share with you a story from Scripture to help illuminate the blessings of God and this choice I think Jesus is giving you and I. If you remember King David in the Old Testament, King David is a great study in human character. And uh, King David... Um, 
in 2 Samuel chapter 6, finally becomes king. He's been promised to be king for a long time, but he finally is coronated king. And he does a couple of things. He defeats the Philistines, one of the main things he does. He gets Jerusalem, the city, back from his opponents under Saul. And then he gets the Ark of the Covenant back. And so he decides he needs to bring the Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle, back to um, Israel. And as he's bringing it back, uh, something happens. There's a man named Uzzah, and you can read about this again in 2 Samuel chapter 6. There's a man named Uzzah, a priest who actually, the oxen are carrying the Ark of the Covenant on a, on a wagon. The oxen stumbles, and he reaches out to keep the Ark from falling. And when he does this, he actually is struck down by God, dead. And it's sort of a crazy story because you think, wow, God, that was really intense. That was really harsh. Well, a couple of things, just quickly. Um, God's not mean. Uzzah was a priest and should have known better. The Bible actually instructs the, the, the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant by the little sticks on it, not to put it on a cart with, with the, or oxen. So. But the point of the story is this. David then actually sort of becomes afraid of the blessing of the Ark of the Covenant. David becomes afraid and sort of says, who can contain this much power? And so he just tucks it away right near where they were transporting it. And he says, this is, I, I don't know what to do about this. I'm just going to tuck it away in this household nearby. Now, back to us. We don't have the Ark of the Covenant in our control. But when we become a follower of Jesus, or we decide to sort of step out for Jesus in a bold way, maybe we share our faith with a friend, maybe we offer to pray for someone, maybe we just do something different or new, we sort of sometimes become afraid. And we think, what if I'm persecuted? I feel like I should step out in this bold way, but what if something bad happens to me? How can I bear it? What if I mess up in the name of Jesus? If I step out as a Christian, I may ruin it for others. We want to help. We want to get involved. And we wonder, maybe why does this church want me to help? I can't do anything, right? And the temptation then is to avoid it. The temptation is to avoid the blessing for fear of failure. Think about that. We sometimes avoid the blessings of God because we're afraid that we will fail. One of the things I always think about in my head is I, I really like cars. I don't even own a car, but I really like cars, especially old cars. And I always think, man, that's a beautiful car, but I would never want to drive it because I'm so afraid of smashing it, right? And, 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 and to me, it's just this idea of, wow, that's a beautiful car. But if someone said, hey, oh yeah, here, here's the keys, you can drive it, I would say, no thanks. I am too scared of smashing it. We do this with God. God calls us, Jesus says we will be salt and light to the world, and we sort of hesitate and think, what if I ruin it? And by the way, <laughs> We all do this. Maybe it's with relationships. We're hesitant to enter into a new relationship because we're afraid of being hurt or hurting others. We maybe get a new job offer or some sort of good promotion and, and, and we're hesitant because we're afraid that we might ruin it and so we miss out on the blessings. There's something inside of all of us that we do this. Maybe it's self-sabotage. Maybe it's just a lack of confidence. I don't know. Maybe instead of a lack of confidence in ourselves, we just struggle with faith to God. And we wonder if God will actually do it, if God will actually change us. It can be either or both. But listen, when I talk about being salt and light, when I talk about experiencing the blessings of the Beatitudes, 
I'm not asking us to be perfect. I'm not asking you to come up here and preach for me. You can if you want. Let me know. Uh, I'm not asking you to preach on the street corner with your free time. I'm not asking you to invite every single person in your WhatsApp, you know, contacts to church. You can. That's fine. What I'm asking you to do is trust that God can use you. What I'm asking for us as a church body is to trust that even though there is still opposition in this world, that God wants to use us to bless the world. That God wants to use us to be useful in the world as salt and as light. Because when we follow God, there's always going to be hardship. There's always going to be opposition. But Jesus is promising us here that we also will be like salt and light. And in the midst of persecution can do great, great good in this world. So back to David. David tucked away the ark because he was afraid of it. David said, I don't want to deal with this. This is too much. I'm just going to tuck it away. Well, what happened was, is that the area of the household that had the ark started experiencing great blessings. And the reports came back to David. Hey, the household where you left the ark is doing really, really well. And so David says, we need to bring this back. We need to bring the ark of God back. And in 2 Samuel, it says this, that when those who were carrying the ark had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf, wearing a linen ephod and was dancing before the Lord with all of his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with the sound of trumpets. King David was afraid of the ark. He was afraid of failing. He was afraid of messing up. But he decided it was worth the risk. And as soon as the journey started, he he worshiped God. He sacrificed. He did everything he could to humble himself. As we talked about that first beatitude, right? The poor in spirit. He did everything he could to be poor in spirit before God and ask God to give him grace. And he decided that it was worth it to take this blessing of God, even though he was a little bit scared of it. And then, of course, we know he completely messes up a few chapters later with Bathsheba. But the point is, is that he decided it was worth the risk. Church, friends, we are not perfect. Jesus knows this, trust me. But we all have a choice to make. Is the blessing of God worth the risk of our failure? Is the blessing of the Lord, the promise of us being salt and light to this world, being useful and helpful to the world, worth the fear of the uncertainty of the future? Are we willing to acknowledge that God could do a great work in and through us, even though we doubt? Because yes, you may be persecuted, you may be mocked, but you are also carrying the light of Christ You are carrying the salt of this world and you bring things to this world that Christ has trusted you with. And yet, somehow, someway, we still doubt ourselves. And we think, what can I really do? What difference could I really make? Because we forget what Jesus has done in Easter just a couple of weeks ago. We forget about it so quickly. We forget also what Jesus has promised us all throughout Scripture not just in his death and resurrection or not just in the Beatitudes, but just look through the promises and the Gospels of Jesus. Jesus makes amazing promises to us. 
We just spent all of Lent going through John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. He makes amazing promises to his disciples there, but we forget these things and we doubt. And we look at the Beatitudes and we look at the threat of persecution. We look how Jesus says we should be salt and light and we doubt and we wonder, God, why in the world are you choosing me? Let me affirm you for a second. If you lack confidence in yourself, or maybe you doubt that God will actually change things, listen to me for a second. I'm going to play the pastor card and just say, listen to me for a second. God has given you gifts. God has given you talents. God has given you amazing ability to do great things in this world. Yes, you are flawed. No, you are not perfect. But remember what I said a couple of weeks ago about how I'm not Jesus and you're not Jesus, but together we are? God has entrusted you and me together to be the salt and the light of this world. You. Not you in five years when you finally figure your stuff out. Not you in 10 years when you finally work out this one issue you're working out. Here and now, God has chosen you. You and I together are agents of change in this world. We are the salt and light of the world. And even though sometimes we falter, even though sometimes we put our lamp under a bowl, like it says here, it's okay. Let us never forget the last verse here. Verse 16, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I understand that you doubt and I understand it's difficult to trust sometimes, but the whole point of this is simply to show people God's glory. God has trusted you and I to do that. So let us trust in the gifts he has given us. Let us trust in the abilities he's given us. Let us trust in the things he has promised us. Because some people will say this is not worth it. Some people will say it's not worth the risk. But when I look at the Beatitudes and I see the blessings God is offering us, I think it's absolutely worth the risk. Let me just read these to you. Do you want these things? These are, these are the things Jesus promises us in the Beatitudes. Do you want to have the kingdom of God here on earth? Do you want to be comforted? Do you want to have a heavenly inheritance? Do you want to be filled with God? Do you want to be shown mercy? Do you want to see God? Do you want to be called his child? Do you want to have, again, for the second time, the kingdom of God here on earth? These are the promises Jesus makes us. If we offered that list to anybody on earth, who could say no? Of course we would want that. And this is what Jesus is promising us. Can we be salt and light? Can we bring flavor to this world? Can we add light to the darkness? I think we can. In the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our hurt, in the midst of our uncertainty, God can use us. Jesus promises us. He promises us that he will. And so let us go forth as a church, then let us go forth as sisters and brothers in Christ, trusting in the promises of God, that he knows us, that he loves us, and that he has given us the ability to be salt and to be light. So then let us not put a bowl over our lamp. Let us put it on a stand so that all might benefit from the light of Christ in our lives. Amen and amen.